Welcome to this week's episode of Apple at Work. My name is Bradley Chambers, and this podcast is all about all things Apple in the enterprise. For our first episode in 2022, I'm bringing back Weldon Dodd to the show from Kanji. Weldon, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Bradley. Thanks for having me back. You all had a pretty amazing year at Kanji in 2021. Lots of new features. Uh, some of my favorite new uh, uh, kind of Mac admin features from a presentation perspective, things that really really streamlined uh, device rollout. Do you want to kind of run through um, some of the major things, maybe just in the last quarter that, that Kanji, uh, Kanji launched? Yeah, no, I'd love to. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a really good year for us, and we're we're grateful for you know what we've been allowed to do, what we've been able to achieve. A lot of that's some amazing customers that we have, and uh, an amazing team here at Kanji has built some great features. So, um, you know, the big big events for us last year were liftoff towards the beginning of the year, um, where you know we focused on that first run experience and creating some really good feedback for users as their computer gets set up. And then in the second half of the year, Passport, you know, it's a way to help keep your local password with your Apple you know, Mac computer account in sync or, or keep the password the same as your IDP account. And that's been really well received. And in, a, in addition to that, you know, a bunch of other little features here and there that add up to a, a better experience. It's been exciting. Lots more to come this year as well. I, as always, expect a lot of cool things from you all this year. One of the challenges, I know companies who are in the Apple space, you can have what your kind of is on your company roadmap. And then we get to summer uh, with you know the new software releases from Apple mm. for all the devices that your customers uses. <laughs> yeah, and, th- and that right. can really throw your company roadmap. Uh, it can change it. I mean, you, you all may have something, hey, we're planning to launch this in September, but then you realize, oh, we have something we have to build for uh, that's being released that our customers are going to want on uh, on day one. So that's it is a challenge uh, when you play mm-hmm. in the Apple enterprise space because, uh, you know, I know a lot of people would love to kind of know, hey, uh, you, you're an enterprise customer, sign an NDA, we'll tell you what's coming uh, this summer in January, and so you can be prepared. But that's just not how it works. Um, and even if it did, uh, all that stuff would leak, so it would be chaotic. Um, mm. But it, it is, in, you know, I will say one of the things that I've begun to appreciate about uh, this modern Apple is software update season is um, becoming less and less chaotic for the users where I don't see thing like major, major things on uh, launch day are not broken like they used to be. I mean, you used to see major applications just flat out not work, you know, major, you know, uh, you know, peripherals just stop working. And as they, as the, as Apple's platforms have modernized, that has gotten, that has gotten much better. Yeah, I think they've done a really good job of building platform APIs that have been pretty stable over the last few years. And so that's created a really nice experience where most things generally continue to work. And um, some of that's improvements, I think, with the software development process as well, where you know there's ABI stability with Swift, where you know it's a little less dependent on bundling a specific version of the Swift framework with your app. In order to get it, there's a bunch of things that add up together, I think, to create a much more stable experience across releases like you're talking about. 
This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Devon Technologies. Devon Technologies develops apps for taming the information flood that we all deal with on a daily basis. It's based on their unique AI technology. Their flagship product is the Document and Information Manager Devon Thing. Other apps include a web research assistant called Devon Agent, the desktop search agent, Devon Sphere, and some very useful freeware utilities. They've been around since 2002, so they are long-time Mac and iOS developers. And again, this is one of those original Mac developers that Mac users know and trust. Devon Think is the most professional document and information management application on the Mac. It helps you collect, file, organize, and edit, annotate, annotate all kinds of documents without ever leaving the app. You can Import live web pages like documents loaded into Google Docs seamlessly next to your local files. So you can bookmark that recipe, that website, that tutorial you found, or that big you know, block of code that you need to reference later. You can organize your documents in groups and subgroups, tag them, or both. Whatever suits your workflow best. It's really flexible. Smart groups let you create different views on your data based on whatever criteria you can think of has an integrated AI assistant that assists you with filing and searching and has extensive search language support. Flexible Sync works with iCloud, Dropbox, or any web dev server and direct connection. So again, you can take control of wherever your data is synced, your cloud, somebody else's cloud. Everything is securely encrypted, and the iOS companion app, Devon think to go lets you take your documents with you at all times. Again, you can create smart rules, add reminders to any document. They even let non-programmers automate as many parts of the workflow as possible. Again, if you are struggling with information overload, you'll want to check out all that Devon Technologies has to offer, but particularly Devon Think. You can archive email. Uh, scan papers, OCR documents, uh, imprint PDFs with custom stamps. I mean, really all kinds of stuff. They have a completely rewritten web interface that makes it ideal for small teams and medium teams uh, and let those uh, employees kind of collaborate on all the documents. Apple at Work listeners get 10% discount on Devon Think 3 or upgrades to previous episodes. The coupon code is Apple at Work 2021. Again, that's Apple AT Work 2021 on Devon Technologies' website. Again, we'll have a link for that in the show notes. Remember, remember that coupon for 10% off. Thanks to Devon Technologies for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. Or it's assisted by Apple's just overall immense growth in the enterprise, uh, obviously iOS, but also macOS, where you know, when you look 10 years ago, if a company said like, hey, we don't work with the latest version of uh, macOS, we hope to have something done in the next three to four months. Well, that worked when Apple was much smaller uh, in the enterprise. And now it's really just not going to work. And companies have to treat Mac OS as a peer to, to Windows. Yeah, they really do. The penetration of or the adoption of Mac OS across uh, Fortune 1000 is, you know, it's really pretty high. And I think at this point, you know, Apple's in every single Fortune 500 company somewhere. And they they need to uh, do that testing ahead of time. You know, it's always been available. You know, we get beta releases with WWDC in June. Um, some companies, I think, were in the pattern of saying, "Well, you know, we'll wait until the actual production release, and then we'll let customers complain if the software doesn't work, and then we'll think about it if it if they complain enough." But yeah, today it's important to be out in front of that and make sure things are ready to go on on release day. And that's particularly true for some areas like security, where if you're trying to deploy endpoint security tools, they have to be approved by MDM in order to run. And Apple's made some changes to some of those systems around how entitlement 
And if companies don't keep up with the changes, then frankly, their product just stops working. And that's not going to be okay, especially when we're talking about something like protecting endpoints with security tools. That's a great point. Uh, and, I, and I think it's particularly relevant with hybrid work environments. Uh, and that's something I, I think we should kind of look as we think about what do we want to see from Mac admins and from Mac admins um, in 2022. What's your thoughts on the kind of the status of the tools for IT to better manage their environments from a security perspective, but also from a productivity perspective, when when you can't count on it's it's no longer this wild old west of everybody's working at home and we're trying to figure this out. Like we have settled into hybrid being the way forward, um, and which is harder. It's it's much easier in some ways to develop for fully remote or fully in office versus hybrid. Um, so, what what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on like what what uh, the state of our tools? Yeah. Uh- I think we've what we've seen is, you know, that that shift in remote work and hybrid workforces that, you know, may have been accelerated by the pandemic, um, is here to stay. That you know, people enjoy working this way. There's a lot of advantages. There there's some disadvantages as well, but uh, generally, I think people enjoy the flexibility that it provides. For IT teams, it's a challenge because now, um, even though we Lots of people were already looking ahead to a new model of security where it didn't depend on just defending the network perimeter where, you know, anything inside on your corporate network was was trusted and moving towards a zero trust model where you're trying to validate, you know, all the connections between devices and applications and services. This idea of someone working remotely from, you know, not just their bedroom or the basement, but from a hotel, from an airport, from the coffee shop, from their friend's house, from a family, from an RV, you know, in a park, wherever it may be, it's accelerated that shift. And for Mac admins specifically, like there's some work to do there. Um, Tools that remote workers depend on like um, Zoom or um, WebEx or, you know, any of those kinds of of video conferencing tools, they rely on the mic and camera access, um, screen sharing controls. And some of that can be managed by MDM, but because of privacy concerns, some of them have to be enabled by end users. And so that, you know, those features, I think it would be great to see some improvements there, some more robustness around the ability for organizations to say that, you know, Zoom should have access to the camera and the mic and screen sharing. Um, screen sharing controls changed a little bit in one of the dot releases here recently. And, you know, that that was something that a lot of IT teams had to adjust to quickly to make sure that they could continue to provide the right tools to their end users and provide support through screen sharing and things like that. Um, and, and leverage tools like Kanji to enable those MDM features to, to do it quickly and smoothly. I think when people hear screen sharing, they think like someone monitoring your screen and that's obviously part of it, but then Mm -hmm. it's, it's really one of the most highest use cases in the enterprise is presenting remotely, sharing your screen in zoom, Google hangouts. And that goes through that same technology 
in that same API because Zoom is active accessing your screen and could potentially be recording it. And so, yeah, it, it's it's yeah. A, it's a it's that balance of finding the security and usability that Apple has to find. Yeah, it's definitely a continuum, right, between um, security, maybe and flexibility or ease of use, and um, you know, we try to find the right balance where it, you know, for, as a clear example, you, you definitely don't want the ability for someone to download some software that begins recording their screen or their keystrokes um, without them knowing about it. And so having those explicit entitlements where the user has to accept and grant permission to the application to record what's on the screen or to capture keystrokes, some of which are useful, right? Like uh, the the shortcut tools and um, other things that you can use to automate um, actions and, and tasks require access to that. There's some um, accessibility features that require access to the keyboard and keystrokes, but you don't want an application to do, to do that without you knowing about it or to be tricked into a situation where you're, you're giving up potentially really damaging information, like your, the password that you just typed in or something that's displayed on the screen that would be sensitive uh, for security or, or privacy. But there's, there's these other clear scenarios too, like we talked about with Zoom, where um, you know, I, not to pick on Zoom or promote Zoom, but uh, as an example of the kinds of video conferencing features that really all uh, all businesses depend on these days, you know, it's a bit disruptive that's to go in and agree to all these um, pop-up notifications, asking for their acceptance or asking them to allow this to happen when they use a tool like that. And a lot of organizations want to deploy these tools automatically, have it work smoothly, be great to work on that. And, and, you know, some other areas too, that just embraces this new world where a lot of people are working remote at home. And last summer we saw declarative in MDM come to um, fruition. Um, what's been your take on that six months later? Yeah. Um, I think it's really exciting. So, you know, here at Kanji, one of our core principles is that we want to build tools that allow admins to focus on the outcome they're trying to achieve and then help automate the process of getting there. And, you know, that's a bit of a different mind shift from, you know, the way that a lot of us grew up where we, um, you know, we knew the knobs and buttons that we wanted to turn. And so we just wanted ways to turn those knobs and buttons remotely and then, uh, you know, build a process to turn those knobs and buttons and throw the levers in the right order. Um, and it, it requires a bit of a different mind shift to focus on tools that, um, you know, don't hide that complexity from you, but change the focus to the outcome. And declarative MDM seems to line up with that very well. You know, focus on the outcome. What, what state do you want the device to be in? And send those uh, that description of the state you want to to be in, and then let the device manage the process of getting into that state. So, um, declarative MDM was released for iOS on user enrolled devices, and that suggests you know pretty uh, a small subset, let's say of all the devices that are out there that are currently deployed, most of which are, um, deployed through device enrollment instead, where they're 
part of Apple Business Manager or Apple School Manager. So I think it's only natural that we'll continue to see that expand, that Apple will continue to build on declarative MDM and bring that, uh, that mindset or that focus around declaring the state that you want to get to and then letting the device get there. Um, seeing that continue to expand, not just um, in, in terms of the number of devices that could take advantage of that, but also expanding in the, the breadth and the scope of the controls that are available through declarative MDM, uh, I think will I think will be pretty exciting for the whole community. Gives us a, a clear idea of where Apple is headed and how those of us that you know build tools and solutions around this can continue to participate and add value in that way. Software update is something that. Um comes for us all. Uh, you, you can't stay still anymore. We've yeah. seen changes to this uh, technology over the years. How, what kind of control Mac admins have, iOS admins. What are some things you'd like to see uh, that would make Kanji uh, admins life easier, would make life easier for Kanji developers and also uh, end users? Yeah, there's, there's been great strides have been taken here. So the improvements that Apple made last year with software update and the way the um, way that tool works, the way the CLI tools work has been really, really helpful. There's still, there's still room for improvement, like with most things and the, you know, existing process of using MDM commands to send a, you know, the request to the device, you know, please download, the latest version and then and install it. Um, that could that could improve, right? And maybe declarative is going back to the earlier conversation. Maybe declarative is part of that solution, right? Because one of the things that declarative adds is not just this fire and forget model for MDM, where you send a command and then you kind of cross your fingers and hope that the device successfully completes the action. But declarative MDM adds the state channel so that you can get real-time communication back on what progress is being made or if that task has been completed. Um, the, The old model, you know, was to send the command and then wait and then pull the device for its inventory, you know, query it to say, like, what version of operating system are you on now or what version of an application has is currently installed um, and then trying again if it's not on the right version. So being able to get the state information back during an update or an upgrade from a major version to a new major version um, would be really impactful. So um, we're we're definitely trying to improve that experience with Kanji, but being able to get uh, you know, more control, more visibility in into the update process that the operating system is managing would help us to provide better visibility to admins that are trying to do this across hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of devices around the same sort of um, update schedule. So September, October is kind of one moment when there's big, uh, big upgrades happening, but also, you know, December, January, when the dot one dot two releases come out, um, those are really important times as well to make sure that admins have good visibility on where their devices are. What's that update process look like? Um, how can they help 
kind of nudge um, devices forward to make sure that everyone's running on the latest version with the right patches, et cetera. Finally, something that we talk about a lot, identity management. What's on your wish, wish list for technology that would better seamless, seamlessly allow admins to connect their IDPs to their devices to everything in between? Yeah, uh, this is interesting. I, I, I definitely think um, it's true we that we're moving from a system where people had their on-premise directory service, whether that was Active Directory or, or something else, um, to a system where their identity management solution lives in, in the cloud. And the success of companies like you know Jump Cloud, Ping, Okta um, are, are pretty visible, and it, it falls in line with all these other trends, remote workforce, um, more cloud applications and services. So having cloud identity, uh, it, I think, is natural. The On the Mac, we've seen this progression where, you know, we started with local computer accounts and then we got network accounts and we, um, we got mobile network accounts that could be cached. And I think the next step, right, is to have that kind of integration with with cloud identity providers as well. The Kerberos SSO extension does provide some important functionality so that you can sign in once, um, get a Kerberos ticket, and reuse that across different services. Um, that, that SSO extension framework you know, is available for other identity providers to use so that you could sign in once and then get a token that you could use in web apps through Safari or with other native applications that run directly on your device. But it would be, I think it'd be really important for customers to see better integration with the actual, you know, computer account and their cloud identity, you know, somewhat in the same way that we saw uh, local computer accounts and network accounts with Active Directory get integrated. Now we're all aware of like some of the pain and um, suffering that we went through with network accounts with passwords would get out of sync and it would cause the keychain to be reset and, and some of that. I, I think I think we've all learned enough from that past experience that we could probably reapproach the problem with some new solutions that would create a better experience. But still the problem remains that Companies are managing identity through these cloud services like Okta and um, being able to integrate that in with access to the endpoint login would be, would be really important. I think you just uh, sent some legacy IT professionals, um, <laughs> horror stories of memories back to network yeah. accounts, getting out of sync. Uh, gosh, what a nightmare those days really were. Um, yeah. That was a weird period where it's just like the we all knew what we wanted and like we wanted what we have now. It, it just mm. the tech to make all these things talk together um, mm-hmm. was difficult. And I, and I don't think people, you know, you hear this like mantra of like, oh, like 10 years ago, things were really uh, rock solid uh, back in the you know, early, you know, before all this thing, you know, we started doing so much uh, in the cloud and it's like, yeah, things were more stable then because you didn't have all this like late. I mean, you know, you think about the idea of like seamless sync and if something gets out of sync, it's 
like getting that state set back is difficult. And it just, when you weren't doing so many things that required a network connection, uh, it was much easier when it was like, it was on, on device apps, on device data, uh, maybe log in one time, it pokes a cloud account once to authenticate, and then you're done. Those days were easy uh, from a development perspective. And now apps and devices can get in and out of so many different states that it is a real challenge. And again, going back to this idea of like remote work, where you know when you're in the office and everybody's on wired Ethernet and you can kind of count on the connectivity, well, that's one thing. Well, now it's like, you know, again, you're thinking about like what tools would be helpful for IT professionals. I mean, you don't even know often like how fast their network connection is, what kind of network connection, who's the router manufacturer. Those are challenges. Uh, and because again, everything, every kind of variable you introduce is a variable that can cause a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of like uh, syncing is hard, right? And it, that's always been true. Uh, you know, I think back even to the early days with, um, uh, you know, like managing contacts, right? And trying to sync contacts across systems it seems like that was never really solved right and, and there's that joke about there's two hard problems in computer science cache and validation naming things and off by one errors and um I, I think you could modify that and say you know one of those hard things is syncing it'd be good yeah. to figure that out yeah maybe uh maybe well the problem is is like we we figured it out and then we just added more things to sync and in different ways to more devices mm, at different times true. um it just like we just keep we solve it, but then we Absolutely. make it, we, our use cases evolve. Um, well, thanks for catching up with me today with our audience. I, I think we're, you and I are both excited about the, what this year brings. I mean, I think, you know, you certainly see from Apple's perspective, some of the things they're likely working on are, uh, are addressing needs of hybrid and remote work environments because of, I mean, software cycles are long. I mean, these features are in development for, years uh, at a time. So um, really excited about uh, hopefully we're getting new APIs and then we'll see how device uh, management companies can innovate and continue to make life easier for IT professionals, but ultimately making life easier for end users. That's the ultimate goal here. It's it's really about better enabling end users to do their jobs in a way that's secure uh, and productive at the same time. I share your excitement about this upcoming year. I think um, lots of great things happening with in and around Apple. Um, you know, we didn't talk about the hardware at all, but man, these M1 computers are just amazing. Um, so many good things to come. And there's a lot of great things, you know, some of which are happening at Kanji, but definitely want to just give props out to the whole community. There's an amazing group of people that are focused on helping Apple uh, be successful with the enterprise. Um, We've got colleagues across the whole industry. And the one thing that's true about people that work in this space is they're incredibly generous and kind with um, the way that they share their time and their expertise with each other. And and it's amazing to see. And I, I think it leads to good things to come in the year ahead. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd always appreciate a rating and review um, and share the show with your friends. We'll be back in a few weeks with another show. Have a great week, everybody.